strikes. Here, it's always Halloween, and I'm always your haunted host, Luce Tomlin-Brenner. It's Small Frights Friday. On these episodes, I like to share a curated selection of calls from the All Hallows Hotline and letters from the Eek mailbag. But first, I want to wish you a happy Friday the 13th, Halloweenies. Is today a day that you're scared of? Superstitious? Would you take a flight? Walk under a ladder? Open an umbrella inside? Or maybe you just stay home and watch a nice marathon of Jason movies? I myself am superstitious periodically when I remember to be. I used to love superstitions as a child. I would hold my breath anytime we entered a tunnel on the highway and I wouldn't let it go until we were back out onto the open road. And I would also hold my breath anytime we drove past a cemetery, which was quite frequently because I grew up across the street from one. I used to throw salt over my shoulder if I spilled it, but then I'd always forgot, was it the right shoulder or the left shoulder that I threw it over? Technically, it's the left shoulder into the face of the devil, of course. But that's another one I gave up on. Now, there's some really common ones that I would say we all partake in, but please let me know if you think I'm being a silly billy and you don't believe in any superstitions. A couple common ones that I partake in as an adult is knocking on wood. Whenever somebody says something that I hope happens or I hope doesn't happen. I also say, cross your fingers for me, or I'll cross my fingers for you, or cross my fingers this happens. And I'll actually cross my fingers or send an emoji of crossing fingers. How about picking up a lucky penny? I have a whole jar of pennies that I've picked up from around the world anytime I see one that's heads up, because the heads up ones are the lucky ones. I guess the lucky thing is that I haven't contracted any diseases from touching the ground as often as I have to pick up free money. I also make a wish whenever the clock says 1111, and you can bet your bottom that I never mention the Scottish play if I'm in a theater. What about you listeners? What are your superstitions? Or perhaps you have some phobias? Maybe triskaidekaphobia, the fear of the number 13? Or even more specifically, paraskividekatriophobia, which is the fear of Friday the 13th. While it's difficult to source exactly where the superstition comes from in America, There are a few places in history where we can look to for an answer. In Norse mythology, there was a story about 12 gods having a dinner party in Valhalla. The trickster god Loki, who was not invited, showed up as a surprise 13th guest, while their Loki convinced the god Hur to shoot his brother, fellow god Baldur, to death with a mistletoe-tipped arrow. When Baldur died, the entire earth was pitched into darkness. This major event in Norse mythology has definitely contributed to the idea that the number 13 is very unlucky. 
It also could have stemmed from the story of Jesus' Last Supper and crucifixion, in which there were 13 individuals present on the 13th day of the seventh month in the Jewish calendar. There's a popular origin story for the combination of the number 13th and the day, Friday, being unlucky. And it dates back to Friday the 13th of October, 1307, which was the day that Philip IV of France arrested hundreds of the Knights of Templar. However, this theory seems to have not been formed until the mid-20th century and is noted in several books including Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. It's possible that the publication of the 1907 book Friday the 13th actually contributed to disseminating the superstition. In this novel, an unscrupulous broker takes advantage of people's superstition around the holiday to create a Wall Street panic. Around the world, Tuesday the 13th is an unlucky date for Spanish-speaking countries and Greeks as well. Friday the 17th is unlucky in Italy. And in China, April 4th is an unlucky day. You'll also have trouble finding a fourth floor in Chinese hotels, just like we omit the floor 13 here in America. In India, August 8th is a baddie, and don't travel to Japan on September 9th. Something I've learned from studying and celebrating Halloween, Samhain, and Day of the Dead is that our beliefs have power when you imbue them with power. So if you don't want Friday the 13th to be an unlucky day, then just don't believe it's an unlucky day. And sit back and listen to the rest of this episode, which is imbued with cheery, cozy, spooky vibes only. Up first, we have a letter from a listener in Kentucky. Hi, Luce. I listened to your Small Frights Halloween Eve episode, and something you said really resonated with me. You talked about the feeling of frustration that comes with wanting things to go perfectly and how it can end up ruining the holiday. As soon as October started, I tried to plan every little detail of Halloween, and by the end of the month, it started to feel exhausting. I had so many expectations that didn't get fulfilled, and I started to get really bummed out by the end of it. It's hard to not want to squeeze every little bit of joy out of something you care so much about, especially if you don't know what the future holds. I mean, last year, none of us really thought that we wouldn't be carrying on things like normal this year. I decided to simplify things for the sake of my mental health. I usually take my nieces and nephews trick-or-treating, but obviously could not this year. And I live in an apartment, so we don't get a lot of trick-or-treaters at my place anyways. So me and my boyfriend had a cozy, spooky day all on our own. We visited an old Catholic church that housed the remains of two saints. It was beautiful and eerie. Then we took a walk through an old historic cemetery in downtown Louisville. It was very peaceful. We went to the grocery store to buy some cozy snacks, and when we got home, we made drinks and a cute, spooky meat and cheese plate. Then we watched scary movies until we fell asleep. 
This year was definitely a challenge for us to be a bit more imaginative, but it was worth it. Thanks so much for the podcast, Erin. P.S. My family celebrates Dia de los Muertos, and I understand the sadness that comes with missing loved ones. It hits you like a ton of bricks sometimes. In our belief, the loved ones are still around. They are in everything that we do. So we put up a picture and light a candle, and we eat and drink their favorite foods and listen to their favorite music, and we get together with our family. That is the essence of Day of the Dead, not gone and not forgotten. Thank you for your sweetness and sincerity. Well, right back at you, Erin. Thank you so much for that lovely in-depth letter. I loved it so much. And um, thank you for your kind words uh, about that episode where I had a little bit of a tearful moment thinking about my grandmother. I've gotten a few really sweet messages from people who appreciated that I left my crying in. So um, I appreciate everybody letting me know that. I felt a little self-conscious about it, but I also wanted to honor my grandma Brenner by keeping that moment in there and just reminding you all that you should take a minute to feel your feelings if they come up. Anyways, Erin, it sounds like you and your boyfriend had a really fun Halloween, and I'm glad that you were able to slow down and just do what felt right on that day. Honestly, the stress of Halloween, because I love it so much, is something I battle every year. And I think that celebrating it year round and working on this podcast has actually helped me be able to enjoy it a little bit more because it takes the pressure off of September and October. I mean, you know, four to eight weeks really isn't enough time to celebrate something if you cherish it. Think about your friends and your family. Yes, you celebrate them on their birthdays, but you also celebrate them all year round. You don't forget about them when it's not their birthday. So treat Halloween like your best friend and don't just pay it lip service on its birthday. Figure out a few ways to give yourself creeps throughout the year. I personally love reading ghost stories and reading about the haunted history of buildings and places around where I live and going on ghost tours or just giving myself a little tour. And that's one way that I like to incorporate Halloween throughout the year. So other than this podcast, what do you listeners like to do to bring a little Halloween spirit to your daily life in all of the months outside of September and October? Up next, we have a call from a listener who wants to share a little bit about their Halloween experience this year. Hi, this is Joseph. I just want to let you know that um, we celebrated Halloween this year because this year was, you know, 2020 entirely, different than any other year. We do the normal trick or treat as well as pandemic reasons. So, in order to provide gifts, for the kitties that were going out in the neighborhood. We put baggies out at the table at the end of the yard. Kitties only take one time, and that's in good work. Um, and for our own children, we created a story where the great pumpkin had sent goblins to the house to hide candy. 
and left riddles for them to solve to find it. So, and that went over really well. And honestly, we probably gave the kids more candy than they had gotten any other year. And they all had a great time. Hi, Joseph. Thank you so much for that call. It sounds like you were really creative this year, and I love that. It's so great that you still put out bags of candy for kids to grab. And I love that you melded the Great Pumpkin with kind of an Easter Bunny tradition of running around and finding candy throughout your yard or house. I actually heard a few different friends and family and listeners telling me that they did something similar like a scavenger hunt. And although this has been a very sad year, it is interesting the ways in which we've gotten to celebrate differently with a little bit of creativity and ingenuity, and I really appreciate that. And I'm just loving hearing all these different stories of the ways people celebrated and still got to have a good time this year. Speaking of which, the next letter is another Halloween experience from 2020. And the subject line is Halloween in NOLA. Hi, Luce. This year, New Orleans got hit by Hurricane Zeta three days before Halloween. It could have been a lot worse, but it did hit us dead on, and it knocked the power out for over 2 million people in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and the Carolinas, my family included. The power outage was a little stressful, but it also led to a very candlelit, spooky Halloween. Normally, my street is illuminated by bright streetlights, but with the power out, I was able to light up my doorstep with candles and jack-o'-lanterns. The whole street was dark, and my porch looked suitably festive and spooky. I set out a bowl of candy for trick-or-treaters and read a scary book by flashlight. Even the weather was a little chilly. Everyone was saying the street was too dark, but I loved it. My house is very small, but walking around in the dark with only a candle to light the way made me feel like a governess traversing the halls of an old English mansion. A power outage on Halloween was a surprisingly nice reprieve from an otherwise stressful situation. I hope you and all the other listeners had a great and safe Halloween. I can't wait to hear all about how everyone's nights went. Cheers, Maria. Well, thank you so much for this letter, Maria. You invoked my favorite imagery, that of a woman draped in a gauzy nightgown, wandering the halls of a gothic manor, holding a candelabra, preferably shrieking. I could watch those movies all day, every day. I love that you got to have that kind of Halloween. I am, however, very sad that you were hit by a hurricane and that it affected so many people. I'm happy that it seems like just a little bit of a power outage was all you went through. I'm hoping you didn't lose any food and that you still had access to water and other needs because, yes, that does sound like it was or could have been a very stressful situation. Five jack-o'-lanterns to you for making the best of a weird night, and I'm glad that it was spooky and that you still got to participate in Trick or Treat, and I would love to hear more listeners' experiences on Halloween, just because it's November 13th, 
does not mean it's too late to let us know what you were up to that weekend. So write in, call in and share your stories, especially if you were a part of this power outage. I'd love to hear if any of the rest of you were able to utilize it in a fun way, make the best of a bad situation. Up next, we have a very thoughtful call from a regular listener and contributor to the podcast, Elisa. So listen in to her response about how we deal with trick-or-treaters who maybe come to the door without a costume. Hello, it's Elisa again. I always have so much to add because your podcasts are so thought-provoking. Um, one thing that I heard on a recent episode, or a couple episodes rather, um, was the idea of refusing uh, trick-or-treat or turning trick-or-treaters away that were not wearing costumes. And I just wanted to bring up that that can be... Um, a very classist um, way to treat trick-or-treaters because, um, you know, many kids, their families can't even afford to buy them, you know, new regular clothes. Um, And, you know, regular clothes like for school and, you know, church or um, religious type fancy clothing, like maybe one nice shirt and one nice pair of pants um, is all they can afford. Um, and sure, they sell Halloween costumes at thrift stores, but, you know, it won't always be in your right size. It won't always be a costume that you actually want to wear. Um, and, you know, a kid would rather go without a costume than wear a costume that they don't want to wear because um, it hurts their dignity. And um, and I think a lot of older kids get turned away from trick-or-treating when it's, um, I don't know, I... I would never turn away a trick-or-treater no matter their age because, I mean, at least they're going out and just trying to enjoy themselves and have a good night. And if they don't have a costume, I just figure, you know what, like everyone's just showing up the best way that they can. Um, And what does the candy cost you? Nothing. So, I mean, not nothing. (laughs) Candy is surprisingly expensive. But, um, But I think that that I, I know you always appreciate having a different perspective, but I would just move away from judging kids that don't come in costumes because you never know what's going on for them at home. All right, keep up the great work. Thanks. Bye. Elisa, thank you. I have such a deep gratitude for your perspective on this matter. You know, I'm embarrassed to say I hadn't thought of that before, and it just means so much to me that you brought this up. It really feels like classism is weaved into every aspect of American society. And, you know, there's this middle class normativity that assumes that everyone can just put together a costume, even if it's simple. But That, again, is just an assumption based in privilege, and I really am just, um, I'm just floored by your insight on this matter, and I really hope our listeners take this into account, because you're right, you never know what's going on with a child, and the fact that they're able to go out on Halloween and get candy might be something that's really nice and affirming for them, a way that they can participate in 
some types of traditions that maybe otherwise they couldn't because of a lack of funds. And I think it's important to think about kids and dignity because I think a lot of adults just assume kids don't have dignity because adults don't always respect children or think of them as humans. They think of them maybe as accessories or these, you know, dumb little things running around all the time who don't understand the world. But children deserve just as much respect and dignity and space as adults need and adults deserve. And um, yeah, if you already have the money to buy several bags of candy, why not give candy out to everyone who shows up? What are you really out at that point? There's no reason to not give somebody, there really isn't a good reason to not give somebody candy. Now it just Now I'm thinking about it and it's just like, yeah, man, it's so odd on like such a joyful night of generosity that you just be like, I deem you not worthy of this teeny tiny little Snickers. Like, okay, queen, calm down. So thanks again for your insight, Elisa. You've really altered my perspective on this matter and I hope it gives our listeners something to think about as well. Please anyone out there who is relating to this or, you know, maybe if this strikes a chord with you, give us a call, tell us what you think about this. And I look forward to discussing, you know, more of the ways that class affects people on Halloween and how can we make Halloween accessible to everybody because everybody deserves this kind of joy, I think. And now last but not least, one more letter to round out the episode. This one is titled Halloween Resources. Dear Luce, I was giddy with excitement last week when I heard you read my letter on your podcast. I honestly didn't think you'd read it on the show, so thank you. I have two Halloween resources to share with you and the other listeners. I wish I had remembered to share them in my previous email, but at the very least, this may help people plan ahead for next year. The first one is HalloweenForum.com. This is a site I visit often, once Halloween draws near. It's a great place to find info on Halloween crafts, movies, music, decor, costumes, props, etc. If it's Halloween related, it can probably be found in one of the message threads. It's also a nice place to get in contact with other Halloween enthusiasts. The second resource is TakeBackHalloween.org. This is a site that was created in response to the overabundance of, quote, sexy female Halloween costumes that get produced every year. The site provides a plethora of amazing DIY costumes for women that involve little to no sewing. The costumes are based on historical and mythological female figures. The website lists the components needed for each costume and in many cases links where each item can be purchased. Although the costumes are for women, I've found a lot of inspiration in the ideas they've presented. The same approach can be just as easily applied to many historical and mythological male costumes. I hope you and others find this helpful. Keep up the good work, Jason. Thanks again for writing once more, Jason. I'm more than happy to feature listeners again and again, as long as y'all keep writing in such fascinating and helpful and fun messages. There's no ban on calling or writing in multiple times. 
And uh, the last time Jason wrote in, it was to share about the Dance Macabre film strip that he uh, also experienced that another listener wrote in and also to talk about Baggers Night in Dayton, Ohio. So Jason, I'm really psyched about these resources that you shared with us. I had not ever heard of them before, so I had a really good time looking through the websites and I'm excited to share those with everybody. Um, The links will be in the show notes. You can check them out there and I'll also post about them on Instagram and Patreon. Um, I do just want to uh, challenge you, Jason and listeners, to think about how no costumes are really for men or for women and all Halloween costumes are open to all genders. And even if a figure was originally female, That doesn't mean that someone who identifies as a different gender can't wear that costume. And the same with male. I want to encourage everybody to gender bend as much or as little as they feel comfortable with. And uh, just take that reminder out with you into the world all year round. There's nothing that's just for women and nothing that's just for men. Let's all just enjoy the things that we want to enjoy and dress the way that we want to dress. So thanks again, Jason. These are really awesome links, and I can't wait to dive in even further. I just realized I have not shared my 2020 Halloween experience with you all yet. So I work at a really cool indie video store in the LA area called Videotech, and we all got to make our own staff recommendation shelves for Halloween. I made a feminist horror section, and I had a lot of fun talking with customers about my picks and getting them to rent things they might not have otherwise, and I'm going to put that little list together of the movies that I selected and uh, put that out on my Patreon. What I also had a great time doing was recommending the movies that you guys recommended to me and that everybody shared on the podcast. I then got to take those recommendations and share them with the Videotech community. So thank you for that. Um, My coworkers and I also had this really fun outdoor movie night the week of Halloween where we all got our own individual pizzas and we projected one of my favorite horror comedies, Return of the Living Dead against the back of the building where we work. And that was such a delight, so much fun. A little cold, but very fun. Um, And then on actual Halloween, um, so at the beginning of quarantine, I started doing these really silly comedy makeup tutorials on Instagram. So on Halloween, I made a funny how-to video about making your eyes look like jack-o'-lanterns. Then my boyfriend and I went to this really trippy vegan ice cream shop called Solar Return and got these beautiful molded, like psychedelic Halloween-themed ice cream pops. Then we went to South Pasadena where the original 1978 Halloween was filmed and we took pictures and all the famous movie locations. Then we drove around and looked at decorations and came home and watched Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which he had never seen before and one of my all-time favorite movies. It was a pretty perfect day, considering that it would have been totally different had there not been a pandemic. We still had a really, really nice time, so I hope you did too. It's not too late to share your Halloween and Samhain and Day of the Dead experiences. We all want to hear how you celebrated. So please call in to the All Hallows hotline at 
dead. Or write me an eek mail at it's always Halloween podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out over Instagram at it's always Halloween podcast or on Patreon at patreon.com slash it's always Halloween. Last Sunday, I hosted the very first Patreon exclusive film screening and discussion. We watched Coco, the 2017 Pixar film about Day of the Dead, and we discussed the making of the film as well as what worked and fell short in regards to the holiday. So I will be doing these movie parties twice a month for patrons at the $10 a month level. The movies I pick are always going to align with the topics that we discussed that month on the podcast, and patrons also get access to a private chat where I will share facts and links throughout the movie, and you also get to talk and joke with other members of the It's Always Halloween community. Speaking of which, what do we call each other? Halloweenies? Halloweenheads? I don't know. Send in your ideas for fun community names. So our next movie night is going to be this Sunday, November 15th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's here in L.A. That's my time. Uh, Or 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Or look it up based on where you live in the country or in the world. Um, Sign up anytime before then to join us for Book of Life, a 2014 animated film that, like Coco, utilizes Day of the Dead themes. So we're going to be comparing and contrasting the two films and chatting about how successfully it represents the holiday. So I hope you can join us. Sign up at patreon.com slash it's always Halloween for movie nights and more. I also release two ghost stories a month. So if you liked the green ribbon episode that came out the week of Halloween, I'm going to be doing two of those a month. Um, And I also send out a monthly newsletter and I put all kinds of other stuff up on the Patreon for people at all levels. So go check out those goodies as well. So It's Always Halloween is research written and performed by me, Luce Tomlin Brenner. The editing, theme music, and sound design is by the incredible Pete Burns. Thank you so much, Pete. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at LTB Comedy and Pete at Mittenberries. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and write us a little review. It's an easy, free thing that you can do if you like the podcast is write a review so that other like-minded ghouls can find us. And now you can also follow and subscribe to It's Always Halloween on the NPR One app. So thank you very much for listening to It's Always Halloween and come back next time, unless you've been plunged into darkness and can't seem to find your candelabra. 